you're in for a treat tonight. We're going to have Apostle Dale minister. Love you. Here, I'll pray over you and over them. That way we can hear and you can talk. Amen. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, I ask that you would open up our ears for what you would have us to hear. Give us eyes to see it. Give us a heart to understand it of revelation, all that we need, Lord. And, and give Apostle Dale the, the right word to speak, the right illustration, the right scripture. Cause your anointing to grow more and more and increase and go forward in Jesus' name and amen. Amen. Praise God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? You got your Bible tonight? You got a notebook and some paper because we're going to study the Word of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to do my best not to preach. Let's open our Bible to Matthew chapter 5. I'm seeking the Lord about what to share with you. And uh, kept kept being drawn to looking at in a pretty broad overview because we can't we can't dig too deep but I want to I want to introduce the beatitudes to you. Have you ever heard that word the beatitudes? Here in Matthew 5 beginning in verse 1 and we'll read through them all to, down to about uh, verse 12. And seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain. I don't think it was in Tanzania. And when he was set uh, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them. Did you know Jesus was a teacher? A lot of times we don't think about that. He went round about teaching and preaching and healing. That's what he did. Some people just see him tiptoeing through the tulips with Tiny Tim or whoever that was, some old song from the 70s. No, he was a teacher. He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, and in this case it's you as an individual, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice! Amen. Amen. And be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. Amen. Amen. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You're in good company. Amen. Now, these 12 verses make up what they call a paracope. It's a, they go together. And 
Jesus didn't call them Beatitudes, we did. These are the blessings. These are the blessings. It's interesting, I just I want to draw a couple things to your attention before we go too far. In verse 2, when it does say he opened his mouth and he taught them, uh, I don't want to get too, too far into the Greek, but there's an imperfect verb being used here. An imperfect means it has a, a beginning in the past and it continues and it's still going on. And what the writer's bringing across that the Greek man would hear it, but we don't hear it in the English, is he taught this and he kept on teaching it. When Matthew captured this, it just wasn't one sermon. You know, if, if you went back in the archives, you know, uh, Robin has been digitizing a whole bunch of my tapes. There's tapes I've preached that I've never preached again. Well, that's not what this is. This was, this was his message. This was something that he reinforced or repeated. This was something he was known for. He was a blesser. And he brought people into the blessing. And he wants you to know that you are blessed. When you read the Beatitudes, sometimes you'll read it like a report card and you want to know if you qualify. This is for you. You will see in this how you're that one who's poor in spirit. You'll see in this how you're that one who mourns. You'll see in this that you're that one that hungers and thirsts. Hey, you're here on a Saturday night. I know you're hungry. Amen? One of the other things I want to point out before we dig in is that there's a progression. One beatitude or one blessing takes you into the next blessing. And it's a, it's a beautiful movement, so to speak. If you're in music, you know, you play the scales. It moves into a crescendo. Uh, one beatitude flows into the next. The poor in spirit, where it starts. The poor in spirit end up mourning for their sin. And as a result, they're marked by the meekness of those who know the truth about themselves. And so they hunger and thirst after righteousness and are filled and having received such mercy, become merciful themselves. Amen? I want you to see that as you go through them. We're going to try to tackle three of them, but I, 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 it'll be a miracle if we get past the first one. And finally, what I want to bring to your attention um, is, is this movement in those first three. Because he goes very clearly, it's, 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 it just kind of jumps out to you. He starts with the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 3, he ends up inheriting the earth. You know, it's, it, it reminds me of the Lord's Prayer that thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. None of these things matter if you can't walk it out. None of these things matter if if it's not going to affect and work in your life, and if you're not going to be a reflection of that. Amen? So keep that in mind. Now, now uh, I lied. One more thing I want to show you. Here in verse 1, it says, when he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, he literally sat down. If you look through the Scriptures carefully, you'll find that several times, about five times if I remember, 
Jesus sat when he was teaching. That was that was pretty much the the way they did it uh, across the board. It wasn't unique to him, but it had an amazing implication in his ministry. You can see it really clear in Luke that when Jesus sat down, it was one of the things he did that was a declaration that he was the Messiah. He was seated. And that's a position of authority. The reason I want to emphasize that, and I'm still always amazed because I seek the Lord and He gives me a sermon and I come in here and John picks the best songs and then Karen gets up and does her little thing and almost steals my message and then Pastor Sid gets up and actually goes to my text. You can't make this stuff up. Did you all know that Jesus is Lord and the Holy Ghost runs the church? Well, if you'll go back, and I was only going to briefly mention it, uh, but you know, when when uh, Sid turns to it, I'm just smiling, thinking, well, I'm not going to get off the word blessed. Go back to Genesis 26. If you look at this, I know you've already looked at it, it ain't going to hurt you. Here in verse 3, he said, sojourn in this land. So he came out from where he was, but he wanted to go to Egypt, but God told him where to go. And he said, I'll be with you. I will bless you. Just wanted to point that out. So then go down to verse 4. I'll make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now this is a theme woven through the Apostle Paul's uh, uh, messages throughout Romans, throughout Galatians. That Jesus, not seeds as of many, but, but seed as of one, which is Christ. And that Christ would bring a blessing. And that through Jesus, all the nations of the earth would be what? Blessed. And what was the theme in this repetitive sermon that he kept preaching? Blessed are the poor in spirit. He brought the blessing. He fulfilled the word. And so, immediately we see that's the the focus of all these verses and what we call the Beatitudes that he's, he's, he's repeating. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Amen. So I I think we ought to know what blessed is. Because for some people, their theological encounter with the word blessed is what you do when somebody sneezes. Now, I'm all for being polite, but that's not what Jesus had in mind. Amen. What this word blessed in the Greek, it's makarios. It, it, it's an interesting word because it it is a antonym, which means it's, it opposes. It actually is contrary to the word what we would call happy. And yet, some of the translations will, will actually say that they'll say happy are those. No, this isn't talking about happiness. Did you know happiness? In fact, if you're a English lit major, you, you, you know what I'm going to say next. Happiness is the root of it is hap, 
which means chance. Yeah, you, you, you've heard of haphazard. All right. Happiness is fickle. Happiness will come and go as quick as you please. Joy, on the other hand, and blessings are here to stay. And you can read through the words of Jesus and you'll find one of his statements I love. He says, he says, he says, the peace I give you, the joy I give you, no man takes it from you. Amen. That means, you know, you can have that flat tire and, and you've lost your happiness, but you better not have lost your joy. Amen. Well, blessed is a word like that. Blessed is a, is a, position that's put upon you that's inherent in you that's not going to go away the word makarios and i know i've got a greek guy sitting in the back oh there he is always dangerous to talk about greek when you got a greek you know somebody somebody says do you do you know greek i said no, i know a really big one <laughs> I didn't get a degree from it yet, but maybe soon. Uh, they used to call, in, in, in Bible days, Cyprus, the island of Cyprus, was a part of Greece. And they actually used to call it the Blessed Isle. The Blessed Island. And the reason was, it was perfect. It was peaceful. It had the perfect weather. It had the best crops and fertile soil. And it was self, it was a self-contained paradise. It was the blessed isle. So when somebody says you're blessed, yeah, that's self-contained. I'm not influenced by anything. Paul said, I've learned no matter what state I am in, therein to be content. I've learned to abound. I've learned to be abased. No matter what state I am in, I am content. Now, it's a little harder if you're in New Jersey, but you can still learn that, that, that necessary blessing. Amen. I'm blessed. Amen. Now, now it's kind of concomitant with, with what I keep lecturing you guys. Did I just say that word? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I, sh that, I, sh I could write that word, but I shouldn't say that word. It's the word blessed is equal to and very much like the, this victorious consciousness that Paul tried to imbibe and, 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 and put into us that we don't lose. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Paul, Paul was one of these guys, he said, look, you're going to run a race? There's only one guy that wins. So run like you're going to win, you lazy dog. Now, that, that might be a little bit of an addition. That's the Passion Dale translation. But, but, but seriously, that's an attitude that doesn't carry over into a lot of churches. It doesn't, you know, I'm not trying to be critical of other people, but you need to know you're a victorious. You reign uh, as kings in life, Paul said. Well, part of that, it's equal to that. It's in the same, same boat as this word blessed. Whether you like it or not. See, if your daddy's Bill Gates, you're blessed whether you like it or not. 
Except that's not being blessed. In fact, go here in Genesis. You still in Genesis? I'm not. Go back to Genesis. I forgot to show you this. Isaac sowed in the land and he got a hundredfold. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, for a businessman, that translates to a profitable year. He, he, he did good, right? He, he, sold, he sold more than he sold last year. He's a hundredfold. Whoo! Glory to God. You invested in the stock market and got a hundredfold. Whoo! Glory to God. I guess that fella in Facebook, he ain't blessed. Anyhow, uh, moving along. Um, he lost $252 billion. Ouch. No, he sowed in the land and he received a hundredfold. That's a lot, isn't it? You'd think that was blessings. We'll keep reading. He received in the same year a hundredfold and. Did you see that and there? You know what an and is? It's, what was that old song on Sesame Street? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? That's right. You're going to hook up trains. I know everybody that's a parent now. And, it's a cool word. It means more. There's more to come. You got a hundredfold. I ain't happy with that. And he blessed him. You walk out of here tonight. You walk away with this. I am blessed of God. Amen. Now we can go back to Matthew 5 because Jesus blessed us. He blessed the church. This belongs to you. Did you know Matthew 5 belongs to you? Look in the front of your Bible. Your name's probably there. It's yours. God blessed you. Amen. You are victorious. You don't lose. You run the race and you win the race. Hallelujah. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus used this word also. Some people believe he, he actually switched from Greek to Aramaic because of the way he wrote or spoke these things if Matthew recorded them properly. But we got a whole lot going on. I won't get into apparently Matthew wrote it in Hebrew, it was translated into Greek, but Jesus was speaking Aramaic. Figure that one out. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have some things going on. I remember one time in Turkey, I was, I was preaching with an interpreter, so he was translating into Turkish, and over there, there was a group of Iranians, so there was another interpreter preaching in Iranian, and over there was a bunch of Russians, and there was an interpreter. I preached with three interpreters. I've never done that again. That's a, that's chaos. You got echoes going on. All, it sounds like the voice of many waters, believe me. So kind of that's what's going on here in Matthew. But Jesus didn't use any verbs. He did not say, blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, blessed the poor in spirit. I mean, this was a declaration, not a statement. This was a proclamation, not 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 a statement. This is what you know, the, the priest does or the pastor does or whoever, when they lay hands on them, they bless them. You're blessed. I've been done blessed. 
He's blessed me. God's blessed me so much. Oh my Lord. And you're the, you got the same blessing. In Jesus, your Lord, in the God, your Father, He's blessed you. I told somebody the other day, I guess it was our Bible school students, I told them, I've been meditating on this. I'm so blessed. I am blessed into a state and a position that God can't even get there. And then they all look at you like you're a heretic. I am a grandfather. Did you know He will bless you and you will see your children's children? That's a blessing. Did you know God can never be a grandfather? He has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. He ain't got no grandkids. Some of you have been acting like you're God's grandkids. You need to realize you're a son. I'm something God can't be. Glory to I'm so, that's how blessed I am. Don't worry, it'll happen. <laughs> Amen. Well, he goes on, let's, let's try to get to verse three, the poor in spirit. <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I, there's a couple things going on here, and you can, you can take whatever you want from whichever commentator or preacher. I'm going to share with you those things that are in my heart. I'm not challenging other teachers because I think there's a bit of truth in all of them. Did you know, now Sid's getting ready to climb a mountain. I suppose there's a general path. But one unique thing about mountains is you can climb them from different sides. And if you climb one mountain from the north side, you're going to see things differently than if you climbed a mountain from the southern side, right? So you, you might look at this Scripture and say, well, I see this and somebody else sees that. Just keep climbing until you get to the peak where you can shake hands. Then you can tell the other fellow what you saw and you can tell the other fellow what you saw and, you, and you'll see more. Amen? So when we look at blessed are the poor in spirit, the first thing I want to look at is this word poor because the... Uh, the Jews had two views of poverty, which I, I found very, very interesting to me. And it's, a, and it's possibly a good reason why, and I'm just speaking generically or uh, 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 kind of in a broad view, most people think of the Jewish people as being wealthy and good businessmen. Let's just say it that way. Well, I think some of it might be connected to how they see poverty. Because they got one word for poverty that basically they apply to somebody who works hard at their trade and at the end of the month all their bills are paid and they're even. They call that poverty. Then they have another word that is for the beggar. For abject poverty for not having opportunity, for not having a way to, to, to go forward. And that's the one you give alms to. That's the one you support because they need that support, right? Well, this word here is for that abject poverty. But I want to encourage you to understand that Jesus was never saying it's, it's blessed to be poor. You can go to the slums. You, I mean, you can, you can go to the dark places in Philly or New York, and you'll quickly realize 
uh, it, poverty, no. And that's why I always tell people, you know, you got some rebellious teenager, you bring him to church and we'll ship him to some poor place. We'll take him to India and let him spend the week in the in the dump. We'll take him to the Philippines and let him forage among the trash for his meal and, and leave him there for about three months. I actually thought it would be great to do a movie that way. Or not a movie, but one of these reality shows. Some Christian ought to take off on it because I think it would be fun to see some of these pig-headed teenagers squirm. But that's another side of who I am. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'll guarantee they'll come back and kiss the ground and salute the flag. And they'll say, this is the greatest country on the planet. I mean, we got all this bucket load of problems. Don't you worry. We ain't anywhere near the Civil War. We're doing just fine. We're going to overcome them as they come. It's still the greatest country on the planet. I've been to about 60 of them. So I think I ought to at least have a hearing, if not an opinion. So God, God never blesses poverty, but He does bless poverty of spirit. Now you can be poor in spirit and be 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 as rich as Solomon. Just as well, you can be broke and be as greedy as some tight-walled billionaire. See the attitudes of the heart. Or where it all begins in the gospel. And poverty of spirit simply uh, creates a detachment from things. When you realize no matter what you have, you need God. And sometimes it's, it's actually fun to be challenged. Where you don't have enough to make it through in the natural, but you don't live in the natural, you live in the kingdom of heaven. I, I already mentioned this, I think, the last time I preached, but just just jump over to John chapter 6, and that's, let's look at this. Because the Proverbs says, you know, it's better to be uh, poor with your righteousness than rich with unrighteousness. Better is a man who has little. Well, look here in John 6. I love this story because I've been here. Pastor Sid said about the tithe, it's the only thing God said that, that you could prove Him with. And not only that, it says prove me now. Do it now. You don't need to wait around. God's up for the challenge. You're not going to put Him off. Prove Him now. Well, look here in John 6, when Jesus, verse 5, John 6, 5, when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company. You see, Jesus said to the disciples just a little bit earlier, he said, lift up your eyes and look on the harvest. Lift. There's harvest everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere. Amen. Lift up your eyes, look. And he saw a great company come to him. And he, I don't know why he picked on Philip. I like to pick on people. He picked on Philip. And he said, Philip, where are we going to buy bread that, we, that these will eat? And God asked me when I was reading this one time, when's the last time you fed 5,000 people? 
Oh, Lord, I don't have enough money to buy them all a kid's meal. And look, Philip, where are you going to buy bread? Philip, where are you going to buy bread? Philip, are you are you leaning on your money? Sure is quiet in this Episcopalian church. Where are you going to buy bread that these may eat? See, the point is, Jesus said, you got to feed them. You got to feed them. See, the next beatitude is blessed are those that mourn. And it's literally the Jewish word for mourning when someone dies. It's, it, it, and again, you can climb the mountain two ways. A lot of people, they'll look at it. it there is a mourning and mourning over your sin. That's one of the aspects. But the more literal meaning of that word is when somebody dies, you mourn. I don't know about you, but when someone has a crisis, you mourn. When you get drawn into somebody's life and it doesn't look like they're going to make it, you mourn. It's called compassion. It ought to draw you. See, the first beatitude is a detachment from things. But the second beatitude is an attachment to people. See, Jesus wanted to feed 5,000 people. They didn't have enough money. But that's not going to make them stop. Because why? Because blessed are the poor in spirit. See, they know they can't do it. Anyway, it doesn't matter how much money you have, but you have the kingdom of heaven. And if you can tap into the kingdom, of, see, he's trying to get Philip to tap into his blessing. See, you're blessed that you can operate in the kingdom of heaven. You are now blessed that you can realize that God's my source, not my job. You know, some, some, some folks, they retire and they structure their whole life around their social security payment. That's not your source. God is your source. And God can give you creative ideas. God can put you in places to serve. God can just uh, uh, bring ravens and feed you bread while you sit there by the brook and get a suntan. Amen? So He's... He's picking on Philip. I don't know. I really want you to get this across. I want to get this across to you. He's trying to kick Philip to get into the supernatural, isn't he? He's trying to get Philip to think supernaturally. He's trying to get Philip to think kingdom thoughts. And, 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 uh, you know, everybody's listening. Philip answers. 200 pennies of bread, a penny worth of bread isn't enough for them that every one of them may take a little. Man, I hate that. I hate little thinking. I hate it. It's called zero-sum thinking if you read business books. It's a nice phrase. Uh, but what it, what it means is basically that uh, you have an apple tree and there's only five apples. That's all you got. And you're just stupid enough not to realize you can plant them and have an orchard. So you look at a pie and there's only, you know, there's only six slices. 
And everybody gets a slice. Well, if I get two slices, I'm selfish. But what you don't know is I own a bakery. See, everyone has this limited thinking. They think so small. If God's going to give it to you, let's just be honest. Let's just give you an example. You're going to pray and you're going to ask God for a car. All right, right now, close your eyes and imagine a new car. Imagine you sitting behind the wheel of a new car. Until you can see it. I want you to see yourself sitting behind the wheel of a new car. Just a little. Now open your eyes. The lesson isn't about cars. But I want to guarantee that everybody in here saw a different car. Some of you saw a Cadillac. Some of you saw a used, beat-up pickup. Some of you saw a minivan because you got 18 kids. All I'm telling you is there's a filter in your mind on what you see. But here's my question. If you're going to pray, and without any human intervention whatsoever, nobody knows that you prayed it, and a new car shows up in your parking lot 100% bona fide from God and nobody else, what's the difference if it's a Tesla, a Mercedes, or a Cadillac? There's no difference at all except in this little thinking. Please don't pray for a beat-up used Ford unless it's a classic and you're going to fix it up and sell it. (laughs) Or you just enjoy it and you want to go four-wheeling. Am I getting through? Here's Philip and he's saying, this is what I have and, and, and I can't do this even with what little I have. Well, guess what? That's where poor in spirit comes in. It's not about this. It's about this right here. Now that pressure forces you to look to God as your source. Go to James 2. James 2. For time's sake, I won't read it all, but later you can start in verse 1. I'm just going to Focus on verse 5. James chapter 2, verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Listen up. Listen up. See, he's giving an emphasis. Has not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to them that love Him? Now these blessings, when... Jesus said, blessed, it's for everybody. But I'm going to be honest. The rich man has a harder time with this first verse than the the poor man. There there was a rich man, you know, a rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to be saved? And and they had their conversation. And finally, Jesus said, and and Jesus, or the rich young ruler asked Jesus, well, what more can I do? What's next? And Jesus said, well, that's easy. There's only one thing you lack. Sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Jesus was a lot like Sidney. Jesus didn't say, sell what you have and give it to me. Judas has a bag, he'll give you a receipt. You can write it off on your your tax form in April. No, Jesus didn't do that because his needs weren't met by the people. Our needs are not met by the people. Our needs are met by our giving. 
We operate this way too. It's important to remember. So this rich young ruler, he said, give what I have to the poor and come and follow Jesus. And the Bible says he went away grieved because he had much possessions. And Jesus said, how hard is it for rich people to enter into what? The kingdom of heaven. But that's when he inserted this. But all things are possible with God. Did you know when he said that, he's talking about the evangelism of rich people? And the problem isn't money. The problem is you start holding on to it. Have you ever had God tell you to give something away and when you gave it to Him, your fingers wouldn't let go? You know what I'm talking about, right? God, God says, give me your deer rifle. And it's like, not that one. Oh, I'm in Lancaster. Excuse me. There not too many deer rifles. Anyhow. Actually, test yourself that way. Because if you got a possession that makes your flesh crawl with the idea of giving it away, you might want to look at your flesh. I'm not telling you to give it away, but I think you got a little indicator light on your dashboard that's flashing that, that you've got an unhealthy... You know, you know what I'm talking about? Amen. I remember one time I was worshiping the Lord in the front of the church just back in Titusville. I was so proud and of the fact I'd asked God for this beautiful watch. I had this gorgeous antique watch had never been out of its box. I was so blessed and I was worshiping the Lord. And I said, I made the mistake of saying to the Lord, I belong to you, Lord. Everything I have, everything I am, everything I've got. And the Lord interrupted me. And he said, then give Bob your watch. And I looked over and he's on the floor wetting the floor with his tears, worshiping God, and he don't have a watch. I love you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. All that I am, everything, <laughs> and all that I get. <laughs> what is that? It's flesh. Well, now, listen up. Do I want to forfeit the blessing? Do I want to walk in the kingdom of heaven? I do. See, I ain't giving him that watch. I'm stepping into the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's trying to get across to Philip. We can feed 5,000, Philip. He says, I, I, we don't have... Go back to John 6. We, look, Jesus, look. Look in the bag, man. All we got is a couple pennies. And then, and then uh, Andrew pops up. Simon's brother. Hey, there's a little boy here. He's got five barley loaves and two small fishes. I mean, we're too, see what that, what are, what are they doing? They're looking, they're looking at, you, you, you know, come on, you've done it. You've been in your car and, and Dunkin', and Dunkin' Donuts says it's 845 and you got four bucks on you. And why did I order that? So you're lifting up stuff and you're, I, I think I remember a quarter slipped down here and you, and you're looking everywhere. That's what they're doing. Say, well, we got these pennies and we got this little boy. Shake him. <laughs> He's got loaves and two fishes fall out. Right? But what are they? You know, we're just not, it's not coming up to par. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. See, he knew what he was going to do. You go on and get off into this. 
and you'll know what you can do. Everybody's worried about what the devil can do. Maybe that you ought to realize the devil's worried about what you can do. And so, so he said, make the men sit down. There's always order. You know, miracles are not accidents. Some people, they, they think of miracles like, you know, just blasting away with a shotgun, hoping they hit something. No, no, he, he, he brought order to it. There was much grass in the place, so they all sat down. And they, in such a way that they could count them. There's about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and He gave thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Or thank you, Father. Jesus doesn't say thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny, you know. That's like, that's like God sitting on the throne saying, oh my me. So he gives thanks. <laughs> and he gave it to the disciples, the disciples to those who were set down, and likewise of the fishes, and this is what I want you to see, as much as they wanted. Not, not, not little thinking. Not little stinking thinking. Right? As much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing is lost. And, and there's all these baskets that remained over and above. God wants to bless you over. You know, honey, if we budget and we don't go to Starbucks, we can squeak by this month. The Jew says you're living in poverty. No, we're going to get over and above. How are you going to get over and above? By not looking at your pennies and your fishes as your source. By not looking at your paycheck as your source. Hello? But looking to the kingdom of heaven, to the supernatural, where God has, not will, has blessed you. You are blessed. Amen. I, I I know. Uh, I always smiled when we when we were pastoring in Titusville. You know, real small town, five thousand people now, maybe even less, four, three. It's one of them things where they have the sign and a big chalk. You know, they run it through it. And... <laughs> yeah, we laugh, but it's true. <laughs> and what can you do from a, such a small place except reach the world? And then, you know, people would bump into you or somebody that knew you overseas and then you'd invite these speakers and these speakers would come in. And I'm not going to say it was 100%, but one of the things I enjoyed the most was taking them out to lunch. And I remember one, one guy real famous in the charismatic movement, Charles Trombley, he leaned across the table and he said, Son, I never would have come here if I had seen where I was coming. But I, I, th I thought you had like a thousand people. I just smiled. I said, you know what that is? We don't walk by pennies. We don't walk on little boys' lunches. We walk in the kingdom of heaven. 
And He brings us to where He wants us to do. And, and, and God will prove you that way. You can do so much more than, than you are doing. Don't have this limited thinking. I honestly learned that God really took the limits off of my thinking when I stumbled on a book in a bookstore in Florida one day. You know how they put the books out front? It was in an airport. You know, there's a little table and all the books and they got all these titles. And I see this little red book, big titles, and it says, God wants you rich. And I thought, whoa, they've got a Christian book front and center. I mean, it wasn't the title that attracted me. It was the fact that a Christian book is, because usually it's some liberal leftist nonsense. You know, I remember taking a stack of Obama's biographies and picking them up and putting them over in the fiction section. I did. I confess. A whole stack of them. Don't know where that came from or what it has to do with the message. Except we're all blessed. <laughs> so here's this. God wants you rich front and center. So man, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a bird dog. I go over and grab that thing and I, I flip it open. I never heard of the guy. Flip it open. And he's not a Christian. He's, he's an advisor to like four presidents, economic advisor. And he just happened to be a Jewish brother. But it's not a Christian book. And I, and I, you know how you do with books, you know, cause you're in a hurry. You know, I'm not going to read it. I just, you just open it. Well, some, some of you, that's how you read the Bible. I know. <laughs> John Wesley actually did that. I don't even want to tell you that. He would just open the Bible. What's the word for today, Lord? You know, that's dangerous, though. You know, you open it up and it says, and, you know, Judas went and hung himself. You close it. You open it up and says, go thou and do thou likewise. <laughs> you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Now, I don't suggest that as, as discipleship. But I just open this book up and I look down and I see the word Titusville. And I'm like, what? An advisor to five presidents and he, and he knows where Titusville is? I get lost trying to get back to Titusville sometimes. <laughs> well, Titus, I start reading and he's talking about history in the 1800s. Did you know the world lit their street lanterns with whale oil? And they got really worried and the first book of economics was written because we're going to run out of whales. We're wiping them out. How are we going to light our streets? We're going to have a collapse. And on top of that, England is so small, we can't, we don't have enough fertile ground. We're growing so fast, we're not going to be able to feed them, and we're going to be in the dark and starving. That was a literal book. It was the very first book of economics. Very dark. Oh, <laughs> I'm blessed. And I keep reading. And, uh, and, he, and he says, you know, that, that's zero sum thinking. 
See, economics is you only have so much, and what can you do with what you have? Well, that's Philip. Zero sum thinking. What can you do with what you have? And then he puts this in there. No one realized that Edwin Drake in a little place called Titusville, Pennsylvania would figure out how to drill down into the earth and drilled for oil. And overnight, the whales were saved. <laughs> and you realize they took oil. <sighs> Blessed! <laughs> so they, they converted oil back then to kerosene so they could replace the blubber. But then, they met that need. That was the need. They did not yet have the need for lubricating the Industrial Revolution. And it sparked off of that. Isn't God's timing interesting? And it blew up out of that. And then it continued to rise to a little thing called plastic. All from Titusville, Pennsylvania. So here I am in Littlesville with limited thinking. And God said, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. Did you know God thinks bigger than you do? When's the last time you took 5,000 people to lunch? So the root of it this poverty of spirit is, is the realization of your abject poverty in your strength, in your ability, in who you are. And God warns us about it. He said, look guys, when you come out of Egypt and you come into the land that I've promised you, because I've blessed you, and you live in houses that somebody else built, and you till fields that somebody else cleared, don't you go saying, look what I've done. Because God says, I'm the one. I'm the one who makes you rich to establish my covenant. Now I'm going to wrap this up as best I can. Sid said I could go till 11, but... Uh, He's been up since three o'clock Denver time. Yeah, we got it. The Lord's proven him. He said in Deuteronomy 8, I'm the one who will make you rich in order to establish my covenant. There's two sides to this sword. The Word of God is a sword. One side is He promised it. So he makes us rich because he promised it. He fulfills his covenant. The other side of it is it takes money to get this gospel out. The go everybody says, oh, the gospel's free. The gospel's free. Yeah, but there's a pipeline. And you got to pay for the pipe. <laughs> and you get, and you, you get, you, sometimes, you know, missionaries are saying, hey, pastor, I can get over here uh, and, and back, you know, on $1,200. Uh, okay, Philip. Well, my name's not Philip. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you, you need to think a little bit higher. Not, not in greed. Not in gimmicks. 
not in begging, but get over into the kingdom of heaven. Because God wants to fulfill His covenant. Jesus is more interested in the lost than you have ever been and ever will be. You think He doesn't want to get you there? If He doesn't, something's wrong. Maybe you ought not go. But if He says go, He's going to pay for it. And He ought to pay well. So there's a point of this, this kingdom of heaven mindset, this victory mindset, this blessed mindset where all things are possible, where He'll do more than you can ask for because you're doing it for His sake. Whose sake? For Jesus. See, that's where it, it comes down to. If you're reaching out and doing this project and, and as you reach out, you encounter difficulties and struggles, sometimes you have to look on the inside and say, He that builds a house and the Lord isn't building it, He's building it in, in vain. See, the very struggle tests you whether or not you're poor in spirit. But when you realize you sell out, and like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, he says, you know, you're rich and you're kings and you have all things. But I don't have anything. But yet I have all things. I don't have anything. I don't own anything. Then revival hit in the book of Acts. And you know one of the earmarks of revival? It's mentioned twice in the first five chapters. It says they all got into one accord. They all got into unity. And they began to act as if none of them owned anything. Why? Because it belonged to the Lord. Somebody says, well, you know, I give God 10%, you know, and then I've got 90. Uh, uh, the 90's His too. You ought to kind of wake up to that. It's now he, he's giving you, he's allowing you supervision over that 90 to see how well you handle that 90, right? But you're, you're, you're stepping out to fulfill his covenant for his sake. Go back with me to, or go to, with me, and, I, and I'll close here, I think, to Mark 10. We'd mentioned it. Let's start in verse 27. Jesus looking on them said, With men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. In context, when God gave that, or when Jesus gave that verse, that promise, or that declaration, he's referring to a rich man uh, uh, examining his own heart and separating himself from the attachment of things to the point of spiritual poverty. But see, spiritual poverty isn't being broke. Spiritual poverty is entering into the kingdom of heaven where you can do more. Y'all going to chew on this till three in the morning. I can see you. Jesus didn't want this rich young ruler broke. Jesus wanted this rich young ruler walking in the same power that he was walking in. He only gave this call to 12 other men. There's no record of him giving this call to anybody else. This was quite a position. Now, I can't prove it, but there's some of the 
there's some of the tradition that actually says this was Barnabas. And that later, in Acts 5, under a revival, Barnabas sold it all and he came and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, it's just tradition, but I like it. And I could see it because I know Jesus didn't give up on this guy. So then Peter began to say unto him, Lo! I don't know about you teenagers. Maybe that's a word you could bring back. Lo! <laughs> Sounds like something Kramer would say on... Lo, we have left all. Lo... <laughs> I can't believe I brought Seinfeld up from the pulpit. <laughs> Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man. Which means you too. Not just Peter. It means you. Say it. it means, this means me. See, you're blessed. That seed, his name's Jesus, blessed us. He said, there's no man that has left house or left house, left his brothers, left his sisters, left his father, left his mother, left his wife. Can't count how many times I've left my wife and my children lands for my sake in the Gospels. That's a value choice. It's a heart choice. It's a place you have to come to in spiritual poverty and enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, but, whoo, but, he shall receive a hundredfold when you get to heaven? No. He shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses. You left a house, you receive houses. How come you don't own two houses? And brethren, look at all my brothers. And sisters, and mothers, notice wives is missing. <laughs> well, I'll take that. <laughs> Low. Yeah. And children and lands with persecutions. And no, that's not replacing wives. <laughs> Just correcting you in case your mind went there. Well, why did he put that in there? Because the devil will fight your blessings. He'll try to steal them. Yeah, he filled Isaac's wells with dirt. You, you know, but and in the world to come, you you'll have eternal life. 
See, there's this false idea that God blesses you so you can move on into the next or the higher level. When in fact, we're already blessed. And we need to forsake all spiritual poverty. We forsake all poor in spirit. We forsake all detached from the world. We forsake all fish and bread won't do it. Pennies won't do it. And we enter into the kingdom of heaven. The hundredfold. It's, it's not always what you give. It's often what you forsake. And we need to bring this back into our consciousness. When God called Terry and I to move to Russia, to Moscow, back in 2000, um, I, I knew it was coming. The Lord had told me about six, seven years before. I kept my mouth shut because I had good mentors and I didn't want to lay that on my wife. I wanted God to speak to her. Then you're in agreement. And uh, Terry's an amazing individual. We had a church service where God spoke to me and to her. It's time to go to Moscow. And uh, we were up till about one in the morning that night because of church and guests and all this stuff. I wake up in the morning, go down in the kitchen, and she's packing dishes. Faith without works is dead, man. I mean, she's ready to forsake, a little backstory, our dream house. You know, we had prayed for it. We joined hands. We wanted, you know, some acreage. We wanted fruit trees. We wanted a Norwegian maple in the front yard. It was exactly what we prayed for. And we had it for, we got to live there for, I don't know, five years maybe. But she was ready to give it away. Why? Well, she wasn't giving it. We're going to sell it and make a dime. But she was forsaking it. Why? Because God's claims, the claims of Jesus, are greater. It's never, friends, come on. I don't care how much you hear me preach. Look through the money issues. Money's just the, because that's, that's, that's your life. It's a representation of your time and your life. It's not about the money. It's about your heart and how you connect with Jesus and serve Him. Amen? So she forsook it. I forsook it. Our kids forsook it. Kind of screaming. They didn't take it real well at first. You know? Our oldest was 16, Zach was 13, Ethan was 12. And when we, we took them to my mom's house and we told them we're going to move to Moscow, they all started crying. I mean, it was horrible. And then we turned on the TV and there was a documentary of a famous Russian tennis player, Anna Kornikova. And they all shut up crying and they watched. Wow, wow. Not quite like that. So we, we, we sold the house. And we made, a, we made a small profit. I mean, it wasn't huge, but we made money. And I remember, you know, we're still living in it. We hadn't vacated yet. And I'm praying, and the Spirit of God comes on me. And the Lord says, don't forget to claim the hundredfold. And I thought, what? Lord, I... I'm not giving it to them. I actually got worried. I got to give the money back? I'm not giving it to them. 
How can I claim the hundredfold? I never saw it before. He made me open up Mark 10 again. You don't claim the hundredfold because you gave money. You claim the hundredfold because you forsook. Oh yeah, Isaac sowed in that land. But it wasn't the land he wanted to go to. He wanted to go to Egypt. God said, don't go to Egypt. I want you to go over here. There's a, there's a point of spiritual poverty. That it's Jesus and nothing else. It's His will and nothing else. I delight to do His will. You get anything out of this tonight? So we're going we're gonna to let John lead us in a couple songs. We have a communion table laid before us. We'd like you all to partake of the communion table. And uh, a real privilege and honor to share the Word of God with you. And I trust that you leave here knowing I am blessed. Someone Is someone blessed in this house? Let's just say it. I am blessed. If I was any more blessed, there'd be two of me. We're going to take in... Uh, remember the body and the blood of Jesus. And... We'll have that table moved over here to the middle. Let me move this a little bit back. And we're going to have you guys file up in the center aisle. And we'll start in the back and just come up and go out the sides and then back to your seat. And you can hold it until everyone goes through and then we'll take it together. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. while they're filing through, maybe you guys can uh, lead us in worship. And then uh, once everyone has it, I'll, I'll uh, read to you a scripture and we'll take it together. So let's start in the back. If you would, just stand up and uh, start filing up the middle here. Maybe we can push it over just a little bit.
when we consider what God did for us by Jesus' willingness to forsake a whole lot. You know, think about what He forsook and what He got back. He forsook right standing with God, something that He'd never experienced before, so that you and I could be made the righteousness of God. He took upon Himself stripes and beating and bruise, Scripture says, for our healing. And then He took the cup for, for our sins and for the covenant, the blood. I'll just read to you out of Luke at the uh, Last Supper. It says, when the hour came, He reclined at the table and the apostles with Him. Then He said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knew what he was going into, and he earnestly desired this. He was looking not to the suffering, but beyond of what was coming. In Isaiah, it says the light. <laughs> he saw the light of what would be. And so he's looking forward to that, realizing what he's going through. And then, then he says this, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this. Did you hear that? After giving thanks. He knew what this cup represented and he's thanking God for the opportunity. He gives thanks. And he says, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body which is given for you. Someone say, for me. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's go ahead and eat it. And if you need healing in your body, just receive his healing. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice, for giving your body and taking our sicknesses and disease upon yourself. Father, thank you for giving us life. The law of the spirit of life through the broken body of Jesus. We just receive it right now. If you need healing in your body, be healed in Jesus' name. Be whole. Be restored. Be in strength. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, we know Scripture says this new covenant is so much better than the old one. It includes all and. It includes the previous blessings and. And all the things that are included in salvation. That the blood of Jesus writes standing with God. And we can come into the throne room because of the blood of Jesus. We don't have to hang our head in shame. No matter what you've done, no matter what your past is, under the blood of Jesus, all our past is exactly the same. Spotless. So let's take it. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving your blood. Shedding your blood for this new and better covenant that you made for us. Thank you that you've given us 
right standing with you, Father, that you've restored us to a place we couldn't put ourselves. Father, we thank you for this. We stand in faith into this grace that you've put upon us, grace upon grace, and we bless you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've extended to us. Thank you that you've given us your righteousness in Jesus' name. Someone say, I am blessed. All right, we're going to worship the Lord. They're going to come uh, up the center aisle with a bucket that you can put in those little cups. Here you go. Lo. (laughs) You know, they got close in New York. They do the yo in New York. We do the low, hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. I should cut my mouth shut. Go ahead. You, you can be seated or remain standing either as you'd like. I want to call Sydney to come up here. I was asked to pray for him, but as I was praying about how to pray, the Lord said to anoint him, to prepare him for what I want to do in him. I won't totally necessarily blame the Lord for anointing you because I like to anoint people. I think I anointed Bob Hawk about a dozen times. I think that's why he has such good hair. I'm not sure it's going to be the same in your case, but... (laughs) The Lord, I have a word for you. And I'll half preach it and half prophesy it. In my heart, he gave me the story, which I, I, I know from the scriptures in Genesis 15. And he took Abraham abroad and he said, look at the heavens, count the stars, if you can number them. And he said to him, come on, Lord, 
Give me a little bit here. Wrong direction. He said to him, so shall thy seed be. Well, we know with Abraham, it was a messianic promise. It's everything we walk in. But for you, my son, it's the future of your ministry. He showed Paul how great things he must suffer. Every step you take up that mountain, take it prophetically. You'll, every step you're a bit higher. Every step is a bit more. Uh, Adrian, come hold this microphone for me. you in the name of the Lord Jesus to be prepared for what the Lord wants to do in you and yes what he'll then thereby do through you and I thank you for the holy anointing oil that overcomes the distractions of the mind the playground of the imagination and that his focus would be clear that Lord you would reveal to him that which you have purposed before the beginning of the world when you called out his name and I give you great praise and great thanksgiving and the Lord does great works in us when we yield our hearts and we take each step as we draw nigh to God he draws nigh to us whether it was the prophet Ezekiel or any other the Lord has moved in tremendous ways through prophetic acts. And we ask, Lord, as he climbs this mountain that you'd expand his vision, that you would increase it. Even as the Lord says to you, my son, you've come this far. Don't give up now. What you've done this far is not in vain, but rejoice, for you've certainly reached thirtyfold. You've certainly reached 30-fold. Don't despise such, a, despise such a measure, for it's truly a great treasure. But yet, look and see. You're only at 30% capacity. I have more. I have more, if you're willing to take it. For the business I will transact with you is a choice. And should you receive my will to that degree when you return things will be up or things will be down things will be above or things will be beneath you can live here should you choose but for me I would like to call you on higher 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 come up to the summit come up to the summit and see and look and look with the eyes of your spirit 
Look with your eyes of your spirit what can be done and what shall be done with the anointing upon you. No, not within the resources I put in your hands, not with the bank account, not even with a circle of friends, but with me, you and me. I want to walk with you, you and me, saith the Lord, together. In Jesus' name. Now, come on, stretch your hands towards him. Lord, send him. We send him out as a body. We require that he come back and that he be faithful on this trip and that he walk with you. No obstructions, hindrances, no problems, no delays. Lord, we want him back and we thank you for it. Now give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. I will bless you and I never saw it until tonight what does blessing I will bless you mean he blessed you with the trip but in the blessing there's another hidden blessing see it's the blessing that you, you don't realize you're going to encounter and I know God's already given you a word but, but, but you're seeing it too small it's not a person it's not a building it's, it's bigger it's bigger blessing which is what this is. I will bless you. Amen. Well, somebody shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. You want me to dismiss? I heard it said somewhere, one way we love God is by loving one another. Amen. You're dismissed. Fellowship on one another. We got fellowship table down below. Go feed yourselves. Be a blessing to one another. Introduce yourself to one another. Make sure everybody has food in their refrigerator, gas in their car. Everybody's got a job. Learn, learn what the Lord would do to use you in blessing folks. God bless you as you go. You will command the highest praise. Yours is the above all names you stand alone I stand amazed Jesus only Jesus you will command the highest praise yours is the Good evening, everyone. Wow, it's so great to see you all tonight. Thank you so much for coming to Church of the Word International Lancaster. We could just talk all night, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, we really could. It's so great to get with all of you, this beautiful family. 
I'd like to encourage you tonight in our worship time in Psalms 30. It's a great, another great psalm. And it's, it says, sing praises to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. It's for life. Isn't that beautiful? Your whole life, the favor of God is on it. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs> now listen, this is good stuff. Look at this. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. Anybody like to dance? Yeah, we love it. It's, it makes every cell in your body just skip a beat. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Now look at this, verse 12. To the end that my glory may sing praise. If you look in Acts uh, 2, 26, you'll see that that word glory means tongue. Now let me, let me read it with that in mind. To the end that my tongue may sing praise to you and not be silent. So we're not to be silent in the praises that we give God. He's so worthy of it, right? But we are to give praise through our tongue because it's your glory. It's what emulates from you. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Every time you take an a situation that doesn't turn out right, that your expectations aren't met, you're disappointed or even depressed, and you take that opportunity and you offer up a sacrifice of praise to the Lord, you touch the Father's heart like never before. And the, we all have opportunities to do that, don't we? Tonight we have an opportunity to stand together as family to give our Father and Jesus all the praise that are due their name. Amen? So let's stand up together and let's obey the word of God with exuberance. Amen.
we do lift up the name of Jesus. Father, we're so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful that all our sins have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. We bless you for that, Father. We thank you that all our sickness and disease has been healed by the stripes of Jesus. We bless you for that, Father. Father, we thank you that you've redeemed us through Jesus, the blood of Jesus, his obedience from all the works of the devil. We've been translated from the kingdom of hell into the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. We bless you for that, Father. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life because we're the children, your children. Father, thank you that you fill our mouths with good things. Our tongue can produce life or death, but you filled us with life and life everlasting. So, Father, thank you that that life, as we speak it out, it renews our strength. It renews us. It even renews our youth. And, Father, thank you for these precious, precious promises that you have told us. You back it up with your very character. We put all our faith and our trust in what your word says. We lift you up. We bless you tonight, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We're grateful children of the Most High God tonight. Grateful that we have this assembly together. All of us assembling together. It's not by coincidence that you are here tonight. God put you where you are tonight. You are a blessing to your next door neighbor and they are a blessing to you. Sometimes they will chisel stuff off of you that doesn't feel good. Amen or oh me. But thank God because we are to grow up in the Lord. Amen. That's what pleases the Father, our growth in him. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here to chisel me tonight because I'm going to receive it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Well, good evening, everybody. Guess you need to turn me up. There we go. It's very good to see you all. They told us yesterday this was very unlikely, so we're really glad to be here. You know, something about canceled flights has a way of putting pressure on you, you know? And it's in that moment when you're pressured so much that... Well, who, where are you going to put your pressure on? The Lord or that agent behind the counter? The Lord. So he made a way. We're here and very happy. It's been a long day, but we are very glad to be here. All right. Well, we're changing things up a little bit. So um, I'm going to go over some announcements in the bulletin. Um, tomorrow is CityGate. Karen, do you have any, you need any more volunteers for CityGate or we good? Okay. Well, you're always welcome to go. 11.15 in Columbia. All right. And I believe there is no city gate for Lancaster tomorrow. Is that correct? No. There is. There is. Okay. So city gate is looking for a new Lancaster location. So this is the last one um, tomorrow. So be praying for them as they look for a new place. Uh, Youth and Young Adults is here tomorrow night at 6, and Monday is our Cup of Joe here at the church. Uh, The Gale Brothers, that one's running for Senate, 
and one is running for governor. So if you have any questions, you can talk to Jim Everhart. I think he's putting that together. We have another Mirabella newsletter in the back, so you can pick those up. And we have a new CWI member with us tonight, so we can give Eleanor a hand. <laughs> she up here? <laughs> Shannon and Heather have a new little baby, so we welcome her. All right, I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the cash envelopes. Actually, before I do that, who's here with us for the very first time? I know we have at least one, so raise your hand so we can give you a hand clap. We're glad you're with us tonight. We trust you're going to be blessed. All right, now we can pass out the cash envelopes. If you need one, you can raise your hand. If you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. And we are going to have Pastor Sidney bring the tithe and maybe a few announcements first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is good to be here with you. You have no idea how hard we fought to be with you tonight. I'm telling you, we had to have mountain moving faith. Literally, we had to get over the mountain, several of them. And um, we were in Colorado and, and trying to come home. All our flights got canceled. And so then we uh, were supposed to be home last night. And well, one thing after the next thing, and we're here. We arrived in time for the service. Praise the Lord. He makes a way. We are um, tonight going to look at Genesis 26 for the uh, tithe and offering portion of this service. Every week, you've been hearing Jen give you just a great word on, she goes into the word, into the scripture, and she finds scripture that apply to your finances. And, and the reason she does that is because when I became pastor here, I decided I wanted to carry on what Apostle Dale had started in every service to teach and give you something to attach your faith to, Scripture, in your sowing and receiving. And so I asked Jen, I said, just get up and, and give them the Word so that it, whether they're sowing tonight or giving the tithe to the Lord tonight or if they did in the past that they can put their faith to it and believe God for the increase. You know, because God keeps His promises. And um, we, don't, we don't do these uh, many tithe and offering sermons to try to get you to give into the offering. I just want to be real clear on that. We don't, if you feel like you're being manipulated to give here, put your money somewhere else, alright? Just don't even put it here. The reason I would, I would say that so strongly is because we want you to understand that you, what you give and what you sow and what you return to the Lord is to Him and not to man. Sure, there's always a man on the receiving end of it. I mean, how many of you has, has the Lord moved on you to, to give to somebody, you know, to help with a need? Sure, the Lord moves through people to meet needs. But you, did you know that the Lord's going to meet the needs in this house whether you give or not? Right? He, he may put it on your heart to, to give into this house to meet some needs, but if you refuse to obey that, you know what? There's someone else that the Lord will then tap. The need will still be met. It may be delayed, but it'll still be met. Now the great news is in this house that finances, um, we're abundantly blessed in this house. We're debt free. We've been saving for a while for uh, buying our own place. 
And Lord willing, that's going to come. And it, it's um, been just hallelujah. Every, every bill's paid. There's no lack in this house. Just want to be real clear on that. I once, you know, you hear Jen say after, uh, when it comes time to pass the offering, and I'll say it tonight, but you'll hear her say something like, the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give unto the Lord. And I once had, I used to always say that back when, when Apostle Dale was pastor here, and I was kind of doing what Jen would in this portion of the service, and uh, I heard him say that, and I thought, I like that, and so I'm just going to say the same thing. And one day someone comes to me and says, you know, I feel like you're trying to manipulate us by your words and the power of the tongue by saying the people will give. And I'm like, no, 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 you're hearing it all wrong. No, maybe we should say those that are giving will give unto the Lord. Because that's the focus. It's about it's unto the Lord. Because He is the Red Sea parter. Right? The miracle worker. And we want to always keep our focus on who it's to and who it's for. The Lord. Because if you just give to, to the church so that the church thinks well of you, that's the only reward you have. Right? We don't want to stop with just people thinking well of us. That's not nearly... We, we, can't, we can't get any mileage on that. Nothing that lasts. What we need is for the Lord to receive it. And then, then he'll, he'll sustain us. Look in Genesis chapter 6, 26. And here in verse 1, it says, there was another famine in the land in addition to the one that had occurred in Abraham's time. And Isaac, this Isaac is Abraham's son. He was, he was the promise, remember? The promise that God had given to Abraham in his old age. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines at Gerar. Now remember, when there was a famine in the land, Abraham had went down to Egypt, right? To get away from the famine and, and get to a place where they could be provided. Well, here in verse 2, it says, The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land that I tell you about. Stay in this land as an alien, and I will be with you and bless you. For I will give all these lands to you and your offspring, and I will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give your offspring all these lands and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. Now we know that Jesus is in that lineage and you and I are in that lineage because we've been grafted in is what Scripture says. In verse 5, because Abraham listened to me and kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes, and my instructions, so then verse 6 tells us what Isaac did. He says he settled in Gerar. Now, jump down to verse 12. Remember, there's a famine in the land. It says, Isaac sowed seed in that land. And in that year, so he didn't go to Egypt. He obeyed the Lord. He stays there. He sows seed in the middle of a famine. Now, was Isaac looking to the Lord to be his source or to the land to be his source? the next line is going to be very clear on, on who he was looking to because of the result. So you don't sow in famine and get a good result if, if it's not unto the Lord. But he's, he's not looking at the land as his source. He's not looking at his seed as his source. He is looking at the Lord and the Lord alone as his source. And he's obeying the Lord. 
And what does it say? It says he sowed seed in that land and in that year he reaped a hundred times what was sown. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and kept getting richer until he was very wealthy. One translation, a, a literal translation would be the man became great and went forward, increasing more and more until he became very great. I like that. He, he went forward. How many want to go forward? You know, the key to that is, is do what the Lord tells you, right? Do what He tells you. And then verse 14. This guy was wealthy. He says he had flocks. That's with an S behind flock. Not one flock. Flocksa, right? He had flocks of sheep, herds, plural again, of cattle, and many slaves or servants. And the Philistines were envious of him. And if you go on later tonight, you can go on and read the rest of the chapter and you see that they were filling up his wells with dirt and he was digging more wells. And there's a lot that can be learned in that even, in the victory that ended up coming about because of it. But what I want you to see tonight as you um, return your tithe to the Lord or as if you are giving in an offering, and just so you know, there is a difference between tithes, offerings, first fruits, right? There's a difference between all of the each one of those things is something different. And and maybe one of these these weeks we'll just do an entire sermon and teaching on the differences of those. But then again, I never preach what I want to preach. Did you know that? I preach what the Lord tells me to. There's things that I thought thought I would preach years ago and I still haven't. So just preach what the Lord tells you, right? All right, but look here. A hundred times what was sown. The Lord blessed him. That's what I want you to see. The Lord blessed him. Someone say, the Lord blesses me. I give to the Lord and He blesses me. And then, when He blesses you, what do you do? You bless Him in return, right? And you become greater and greater and you go forward and increase more and more. So take a hold of your tithe and offering and let's pray over it. Father, I thank You that You are the God of abundance, the God of more than enough. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. And Lord, um, we have needs individually in this house. And so we ask You, Father, to, uh, according to Your Word, to do what You said that You would do, that You would rebuke the devourer. We believe that. You said that You would pour out blessings of heaven more than what we can contain. We believe that, Father. So be it unto us, according to Your Word, in Jesus' name, and amen. But the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give unto the Lord, not unto man. Keep Him in your windshield. Did you know that the only place in the Bible that tells you to test the Lord had to do with the tithe? It's the only place He said, try me. Test me. You know, because Scripture says, don't test the Lord. Don't tempt him. But he said on this one thing, try it. See if I won't rebuke the devourer. See if I won't pour out the blessing for you. And I remember the first time I grabbed a hold of that and, and we started seeing, we started drawing direct lines between what we had returned to the Lord, because that belongs, you can't give to the Lord what belongs to him, right? That's why I say we return the tithe. 
And what's already His, we're just returning back to Him. But then what's above and beyond the tithe is now offering. And so when we give or when we sow an offering to the Lord, I remember when we started seeing direct lines being drawn between what we had sown and what was coming in. And mathematically, things weren't making sense. But the Lord. See, it doesn't mathematically make sense to sow in the year of famine. There's a movie and a book, true story, called Faith Like Potatoes. Maybe some of you have seen it, right? An amazing story. Very, very similar to the Isaac story. Sowed in a year of famine. Hallelujah. Let revival come to South Africa again in Jesus' name. And to our nation. And Tanzania. The whole world. Let's uh, take a moment and we're going to pray for several people. Um, but we're going to start with uh, with you, Shane. Um, your father passed away this week, is my understanding. And um, the God of all comfort, comfort you. Right? So let's just pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the great comforter. And Father, I ask that your spirit just overshadow Shane and his family and all of those that are affected by... Um, What's his name? His name was Shane. Okay. By Shane Sr. Right? Passing away. So Father, by Your Spirit, bring strength and comfort. Make an awareness, Lord, of Your presence with each one. We thank You for it. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to do my best to keep myself together here, but I just, I need, I can't not brag on God for what he's done for us this week. Granted, I can't share a lot of details, but when I found out on Monday, it was a phone call from my Graham and I was at work and I was devastated because we had been praying for my dad. And literally the week before we were, the Holy Spirit prompted us to text my dad, um, just cause there were some boundaries in place for reasons, um, that he could come meet his grandkids and then he died before he got to meet them. So it was, it was heart wrenching in that, but I got home and I said, I told Nicole, I said, the devil may have acted upon my dad's life, but that's all he's going to get because God's going to get glory from this. And there are a couple people in this house that know of God's goodness for this week, but faithful, faithful. This is a word that I have to say. Faithful and good. Amen. I just wanted to share that for all of those who have been praying. Thank you for your prayers. Keep them coming because we have seen miracles like you would believe. You would believe this. Yeah, <laughs> amen. I like it. Like you would believe. Thank you, Shane. And speaking of miracles, you know, we've been saying this is the year for miracles. But if you remember, if you go back and listen to the very first sermon of 2022, one of the things that I shared was that I said, for some of you, it's going to be the hardest year, the hardest things you've ever faced in this year. And um, right now, Anastasia is is facing that, right? She um, is been diagnosed, you know, type 1 diabetic some years ago, and she um, has an insulin pump on. And I'm not sure exactly all the details, but she was went hypoglycemic, which is when your blood sugar goes 
dangerously low to where you pass out. And she was that way for quite some time and uh, until they got her into the hospital. And then they, you know, had her sedated and in a coma, all these things. They ended up taking her to uh, Philly from the Lancaster Hospital. And so now she's in Philly, but the doctors are saying that we need a miracle for her because they did an MRI scan of, of your brain. And what happens if you go hypoglycemic long enough, uh, it starts killing your brain and um, you, you suffer a severe brain damage. And so she needs a miracle. And, and we're going to believe God and stand in the gap for her. You know, there's no time like today. The Word is always now. It's always present and available for us to, right now in this moment. So let's lift her up together and let's just unite and put our faith on it that the Lord is going to restore her. Father, I thank You that You are good in every way and that You're faithful to watch over Your Word to perform it. And so we ask You, Lord, for a creative miracle in, in Anastasia's brain. And that You restore every part of her brain that was that was that has been damaged. But Father, even more than that, that is better than it was before. That Your goodness would be on display. You said that we can decree a thing and it would be so. Father, You said that Jesus... By His stripes, we are healed. And we believe that, Father. So we speak to You, Anastasia, and we say, brain be restored in Jesus' name. Function at full capacity. Better than before. Body be strong in the name of Jesus. Anastasia, wake up. I give you life in the name of Jesus to every cell in your body. And Father, when she wakes up, I just ask that you touch her pancreas and cause this diabetes to be miraculously healed and removed as well. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. What a testimony we're going to have. Hallelujah. You know, he's a good God. You can't have miracles without dire circumstances first. So it's time to rejoice. Be glad. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. I want to pray for one more person that is here with us for the very first time tonight. Now, many of you have gotten to meet Heather um, over the last number of weeks, but her husband Chad is with us tonight. Chad, if you would stand up. Chad is a state trooper here in Pennsylvania. And... Um, I asked him permission if I could do this, and he said it was okay. So we're going to pray for Chad, and in particular for uh, for safety for you, and that the Lord would direct your steps and um, keep you in the hollow of His hand, right, as, as you work. So let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your protecting power being over Chad as he goes about his daily work. Lord, I ask You for ministering spirits that You would assign to him to protect him and, and to keep him. Lord, give him wisdom to know what to do and what not to do. Father, lead him by Your Spirit and prompt him when he should walk this way or walk that way or step here or step there. Give him the understanding and the wisdom that he needs to walk in excellence in all his ways. In Jesus' name, and Amen. Thank you so much for serving. The Lord knows we need 
are forces full of good men and women. 